When it comes to heating up your business, it's all about baking more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, your social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Hey, peeps. I have an amazing guest. He is coming to us from Atlanta. His name is DC Glenn, and he is part of Tag Team, and you know them not only from their great song, Whoop, There It Is, but the latest Geico commercial, Scoop, There It Is. Man, I got to tell you, so many people love that commercial. It is amazing. So how are you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. I really am. Outstanding. So I want to talk to you about music and marketing and 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 basically how you got to where you're at right now so but you were born in chicago you you kind of got your musical chops it sounds like when you were in colorado and then you really kind of took off when you were down in atlanta right so that's Mm kind of the the scope of what you did so kind of tell us about that story well um born in chicago moved to denver when i was about four uh grew up played trumpet took piano lessons like most kids (laughs) <laughs> I got to do something. <laughs> but uh, when I got to high school, I met Steve and he had a band and I was like, I got to be in that band. And I worked in the uh, truant office and down the hall was Dr. Uh, Joyce Davis, who directed the choir at Manuel High School, uh, Bolt Vibration. I was like, I got to be in that choir. Mm. In our first high school dance, Steve's friends, uh, Ricky Springs and a couple of his friends DJ at the party. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to be a DJ. (laughs) This is the first time I was exposed to all these in a different form because I went to Catholic school and I transferred my 11th grade year. And that you just I took on all of those. And I got in the band, got in the choir and got two turntables, two rickety turntables and a Radio Shack mixer. And I was a DJ. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did shows. we, We traveled all over the place in the city and I kind of became the leader getting the shows, making sure we practice, had a place for us to practice and just practicing DJing. Then I graduated high school, went to college and started DJing for all the frat parties. The first one I did, it was just horrible. I thought I was the, I just thought I was the man, but the, the speakers blew. I was drinking and the, <laughs> the wrong turntable off. And then the, you know, the cues were about to beat me up. It was just like ugly and I could have gave up, but I didn't. Right. And I just mm-hmm. kept chugging along, chugging along, chugging along. And our band had disbanded and there was three of us left. And then one, Otis P, went to the army. Then it was me and Steve. And then I had to take on the writing duty. So I started writing. You know, I would be in class and write. And we started making songs. And every time I would come home for breaks, we'd go to the studio. But then my boy Johnny Z got a four track, Tascam four track. I remember and the cassette version or the uh, version, real? Yeah. yeah, the original Tascam four track. I had one and, too. <laughs> yeah, my boy was like, I don't even know how to use this thing. I was like, I'll figure it out. And my other partner had a TR-808 Roland, right? Mm-hmm. That was the essential sound of hip hop at the beginning, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And I made about 10 beats and then just started putting stuff over them. I just, this is, it was straight caveman. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to Steve and he thought I was in the devil worship because he didn't <laughs> understand. Cause I, you know, I'm beatboxing, I'm I'm singing, I'm doing all kinds of stuff, right? Just to finish songs. And it 
piqued his curiosity, then he bought one. And now we're going back and forth to the mixtapes back to each other and we're getting better at it. And then I go to Atlanta and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm moving down here because he was down there going to the Art Institute. So I pack up, go to Atlanta, start working at a club called Magic City. It's an adult entertainment club. So I'm just blown away as a young man that I'm working with 150 beautiful women and I'm the head DJ, mm-hmm. rip, right? So we would make songs and we would test our songs in the club. And I knew that being in the Southeast, there was Southern bass, right? But then you had Miami bass, which was Florida's bass. And I knew we couldn't get out of Southeast unless we did bass. And I went to Steve. I said, hey, man, we got to make something. We got to make some bass. He's like, I can't make that stuff, man. I was like, don't think that. Think Planet Rock and Egyptian Lover. Mm-hmm. Just want it to be up-tempo and BPMs. Do it however you want to do it. Just make it up-tempo. Because since we're down here, it'll be considered bass. So right? what is Southern bass and Miami bass? What's the difference between the Miami bass is Luke. Luke Skywalker. Uh, um, everything, you know. Luke Skywalker and that type of music, right? Mm-hmm. Raunchy, real crazy stuff. Southern bass is a little more tame, like uh, songs like My Boo, uh, Daisy Dukes by Deuce, records like that. So it's a little bit more tame than it is down south. But it's all the essence, the essence of all of it is Planet Rock, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, one of the beginning songs in hip hop. And all you gotta do is make it up tempo because LA had their form which was Dr. Dre started out making up tempo music, right? Mm-hmm. So we made the beat, Steve, we used the sample, Kano. You know, this goes back to craft work and all those, you oh, know, yeah. the electronica stuff, right? So it's all kind yeah. of the same, it's up tempo. And I had tons of rhyme books and I was trying to match lyrics to the song. And I was working on this one called Womp There It Is, which was basically like a party saying, throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. Mm-hmm. And mashed it up. And everybody thinks well, there it is was this Manhattan project, uh, science project, theorems and geometry and whiteboards. And it was just nothing but a song of young dudes partying on a Friday night. Right. Mm-hmm. And we made the song, went to work, had a cassette, popped the cassette in. And to this day is the biggest response on any record I've ever played. And I've been DJing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And my hubris couldn't see what it was because I think every song I make is a hit record, yeah. right? <laughs> As yep. a young guy. <clears throat> so I kind of shelved it. And later on, you know, this is 92, uh, August of 92. And then I started playing again in um, January of 93. And the second time I played, same response, right? Because I hadn't played it in a while. And then one of the record company reps because every region had record company reps. So you had New York, you had LA, they had reps everywhere. They'd send Chicago them there. Chicago too, man. I remember them. Chicago, yeah. and then you get your, your vinyl or they service the record pools, they service the radio stations. And one of my guys, uh, Alan Cole from Columbia Records, there, he's like, what is that? I was like, that's my new record. He's like, give me that, man, so I can send that. What are you doing? What are you still doing here? Send me that so I can send it to New York. Send it to New York. New York called me. And I was like, this works with every label. All the labels, now all the labels are talking to me, but they don't know what to do with Southern Bass. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively new form, and they don't really, all they know is Luke. And they know they don't want to do nothing with Luke because it's just all dirty. So I kind of got frustrated. And 
uh, young lady named Lisa McCall worked at Mercury Records. So you need to call Al Bell because he put out the Daisy Dukes record the year before by Deuce and it went gold and they were from our region. So I was like, that's that's incredible. And for those who don't know who Al Bell is, <clears throat> excuse me, he's one of the original, you know, forefathers of soul music because he owns Stax Records and they were in competition with Philly International and Motown. Mm-hmm. Those are the original three uh, Southern, you know, the, the original three records, record company, soul record company. So I called him and said, you know, Mr. Bell, I want to talk to you. I got a hit record. And he called me about a week and a half. And he was like, what's up, brother? And I was like, Mr. Bell, let me tell you something. I got a hit record. I've tested it. I'm in the hottest clubs in the country. Everybody loves this record. You need to sign us and don't play. Right. And he's like, okay. And I was like, what? And to this day, I, these are the most beautiful words I've ever heard in my life. He's like, brother, you know, I was like, you haven't even heard it, Mr. Bell. And he's like, brother, I don't have to hear it. I hear it in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's agree to agree and get this thing going. I was like, cool. And then I gave my two weeks in Magic City, signed a messed up record contract. Yo, and always. a month and a half <laughs> <with> a platinum. <laughs> always, man. The music always. business is one of the craziest. Um... And everybody does it. That's why I'm not really. Yeah. And, and I had to because I, I didn't want to wait anymore. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to deal with it later. Because yeah. I had people tell me, you might not, you know, you might want to wait for Columbia. I was like, we would have lost the record if we had to wait for Columbia, mm-hmm. right? I need to get that record out now. And we did, like I said, a month and a half, we were platinum and we hadn't looked back in four years. And how it kind of went awry is that uh, the record company went bankrupt. And then when the record company went bankrupt, another record comp- company bought it out of bankruptcy. And then the battle ensued. Oh, yeah publishing when they shouldn't have took the publishing so that was the that was the battle and i'm thinking that we own the publishing so i'm trying to figure out how can we not getting paid but what i did with my fatal flaw was to sign administration over mm-hmm. when i signed administration over now they can recoup and they can they can bleed me for years because that is the key if i hadn't signed administration i'd be able to get everything i needed but we still got money Right. Still got the other side of publishing. And I try to explain this to the young cats. They're like, nothing matters but the music publishing. And they like, I want to be a star. And I'm like, dude, nothing matters but the music publishing. Right. And that's what I try to teach them. And so I could have, I really could have been like bitter about it. Right. But I knew I would have my day in court. And I knew that I wasn't going to spend a bunch of money because I had already done that. That's why I had to go back to DJing. So I started a self-improvement juggernaut that has lasted to the day mm-hmm. and i started you know it started with finance well actually i started actually being a paralegal i said i'm gonna get all the discovery i'm gonna get everything i need so when and have it organized all the paperwork so when we do have our day in court i can just give it to the lawyers they don't have to do too much research and if they do decide well and you might not know you'll you'll realize that i'm real meticulous and i've got everything mm-hmm. right and that's what i did and then i didn't worry about it and then I became a licensed commodities broker, still while DJing, right? And learned about finance. And then I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to have a hedge fund. I was like, I don't know nothing about a hedge fund. But then I started developing tactics to learn things, right? So because I am me, I started calling people, you know, hedge fund managers like, hey, I got a hedge fund. I'm DC from Tag Team. Whoop, there it is. 
I can get you Dominic Wilkins. I can get you Primetime. I can get you Stars. I can get you everybody. I'm going to be managing so much money. I want to have a meeting. And they were like, heck yeah, we can have a meeting. So I go to New York, Vegas, L.A., San mm -hmm. Francisco. Now I'm in the boardroom with these people. And I'm like, why should I let you guys run my company? Why should I let you manage this money? And I don't know nothing about a hedge fund. And they just start, well, oh, DC, we can do this and this and this and this and that and that and this and that and this. And what they don't realize is that while they're pitching me, they're teaching me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know That's my main tactic. That's been can I can I tell you a secret? Life. Can mm -hmm. I tell you a secret? The whole reason I do this podcast is because I get to talk to people like you and learn. And mm -hmm. that's one of the coolest things, man, is going in and just listening. That's awesome. And, and you know, I realized that a hedge fund wasn't for me, right? It's basically intellectual gambling. I'm horrible. At it. I hate gambling. So, but I did get a financial education about it because two, 2000, I didn't know what I was looking at when I looked at CNBC. But two years later, I, I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, <laughs> you know, I, I went to an Edward Jones just on happenstance one day, met a beautiful lady and she explained what we can do. You know, set that simple. She said, we're going to fill up these little buckets. They're going to be in the forms of SEP IRAs for your, your corporation. Then you got your Roths and your regular IRAs and we can do mutual funds. ET. We can do all kinds of, just fill up these little buckets. You're going to take 500 a month, take a piece off a little bit and just fill the buckets up. And once the buckets are filled, we do it again mm -hmm. and again and again, year after year. And that's what happened. And I'm still happy. I'm still happy that I did that, right? Because, you know, the financial crisis happened. And there are things that are happening in life where you need that. It's not really a rainy day, but you know it's there and it's growing. Mm -hmm. So if you need to pull something from it, you can. You pay the penalty, of course, but you pull it. You got it there because you're not even thinking about that as being pulling away. That's one lesson of finance. So the next thing, you know, I get on this self-help kick. And there's this one book about a guy on the pie shop. And he's like, I want to, I want to own a pie shop, but I got to go work at a pie shop. So he started at the pie <laughs> shop as the bus boy. Then he came up and through the ranks and everything and learned how the whole system worked. Then he quit. And then he opened his own pie shop, franchised it, then sold it and got $30 million for it. Mm -hmm. he caught it in the corridor. Right. So that's what I did while I was DJing at the club I was at, cause I was real, it was a real lucrative club, but I had to make myself, you know, my legacy as a DJ is that I wasn't just a DJ. I'm your DJ, I'm your sound guy, I'm your light guy. I do your TV ads, I do your radio ads, I do your pictures, I do your flyers, I do everything. And in return, you pay me a lot of money, seven streams of income, mm -hmm. health insurance and life insurance policy because I made myself invaluable. Mm -hmm. right? You lose me, you're gonna hurt, right? There, because you're gonna have to hire seven people to do what I do, and that's how I always live my life. So, while I'm in the corridor, like Dude said, I said, "Let me make a business plan to become marketing for this club," and that's what I did. I thought business plan, you just write it down and be like, "Okay, this is my business plan." No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Business plan. <laughs> I was like, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do, but I did it. Then I bought a projector and did a PowerPoint presentation in front of the boss. And then she cut me a check for 25 G's said, get started. Mm -hmm. Just because I just took it upon myself to think differently and the things that I could apply to my life, I did. Right. So and about this time, I'm sitting in a movie theater. 
And I realized that Wound There Is is now evergreen because I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on a table to my song in Elf. And I'm like, now it's up to you to make your own money. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm going through all these things so I can learn how to do these things for myself. And my concept is learn how to learn. It's not good enough just to learn. You have to learn how to learn. Perfect example. If I get a long email after the first two lines, I'm daydreaming. I'm like, I don't even get what I'm supposed to get out of it. I'll stop reading. It might take me four days to read that long email. If I throw it in the AI and it reads it to me, now I can keep continue to keep looking at emails. Now it's reading it to me and then I pick something up. Wait a minute. Now I'm reading along with the AI that's reading to me. Now I'm regaining way more retention. I do that with everything. I'll do that with scripts for acting. Mm-hmm. I'll do that with voiceover scripts. Just let it go over and over and over again and start daydreaming and getting ideas. And then by the time two, three times, I know exactly what the story is. I have three different concepts of what I want to do for that script. Right. Learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like 2008, 2009. I said, I got to think outside of being in this club because I'm stuck because it's so lucrative and it's, I'm complacent. But I'm like, well, what be in the corridor again? What are you doing that you could be better at voiceover? So I start flying to New York, flying to L.A., coming back to work so I can be better at radio ads and TV ads. So maybe I could start a company doing media. Right. Or just just to get good at it. And it was difficult. I thought it was the coaches that, you know, weren't teaching me right because my hubris is so out of control. I think I could whoop. There it is my way through anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, you know, and and it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. And mm-hmm. while this is going on, the court date for the battle starts because from two from 1998 all the way to 2010, it was motion after motion after motion after motion to get the lawsuit in a venue, but they kept just killing those motions. Right? We don't want that motion. No, no, no. Keep it. No, no, no. no. And like, I think it was like the 50th motion. They finally got their day in court. So now it was time for those two juggernauts to fight. And I'm in voiceover and it's like, just really just due diligence, getting all the case study, t- taking all the notes, writing everything down. And then uh, another pivotal point was 2011, I do believe, where I'm at work and I get a call up front. Hey, DC, you got to come to the front. Somebody want to talk to you. And I'm like, take a message like she won't get off the phone i was like man which one of these girls i'm messing with anyway (laughs) right (laughs) it was it it was a lady and i was like please call me in the morning at this number right and it was a reporter from the new york times right and all this comes back to marketing right because if you're going to have a company and you're going to call yourself a marketer you know people got to find you Mm-hmm. And she called me, she's like, DC, have you heard of the, the Gawker article? And I'm like, what? She's like, Gawker just wrote an article that Barack Obama was in your music video. And the world's going crazy. And I'm like, how did you find me? And she was like, it was very, very hard, but I found you. And then she told everybody else, and now I'm CNN, NBC, ABC. Like, we did a whole week of press, right? Mm-hmm. But I was pissed because it was like, I wasn't prepared, right? I was, I didn't have no web presence Everybody's starting social media. I'm just trying to, I slipped on that one because I couldn't take advantage of it and I lost money. Well, it's not that behind you. It's a reason. Yeah, I vowed that would never happen again. And that's what started my SEO career. Mm -hmm. 
and I learned how to build websites and I learned SEO. And 10 years ago, you type in tag team, it was all wrestling. You type in tag team today, it is all tag team. Mm-hmm. You gotta be, you have to be found, right? So 2012, the lawsuit is, is winding down and the company that took it out of bankruptcy loses. And then they start appealing and appealing and appealing and appealing. And then their final appeal was to the Supreme Court. And can you imagine if the Supreme Court you would have been listening to is like Supreme Court takes on the tag team. Whoop, there it is, case. That just would have been bananas. But they're like, get that out of here. We're not doing that. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, it was over. And that's about 2015. I retired from DJing because I didn't want to be a 50 year old DJ. Right. But at the same time, I was like, I want to do shows. And this is, you know, I said, well, start calling all the booking agents. Please let me be on your roster. I don't want to just let me be on your roster so people will see that we're doing shows. And they're like, no, nah, because you only got one record. And what have you done for me lately? And you only got one record and you're one hit wonder and you're this. And you, they gave me every reason why they shouldn't instead of one reason why they should. Mm-hmm. And then this is another learn how to learn tactical, you know, reversal that I put together. Every time I hit a wall now, I joined an organization because organizations and societies are filled with people, professionals, masters who have been doing this for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And they're they're there to make their profession better. And if you come into their profession, pay their dues, they're going to teach you everything you know. And I joined the International Entertainment Buyers Association. Hmm. And you know the hierarchy. You have the buyers, then you have the venues, which are the stadiums and the arenas and whatnot. Then you have the big time uh, promoters, which is Live Nation. Then you have your mom and pops and then you have your managers and then you have the artists. I effectively cut out everybody in the middle by going to their convention with a big Woomp There It Is t-shirt on Billboard. Me and Chubby Checker, the only black dudes out of 5,000 people in this conference. Really? It was amazing. Now, I'm I'm embellishing a little bit, but that's 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 what it felt like. I get it. (laughs) We were the two that everybody was looking at, right? And we're standing by like, Womp there it is and chubby checker, but they see the womp there it is. And I introduce myself. My pitch is beautiful. My name is DC Glenn from Tag Team. You might remember the song Womp There It Is. Like, yeah, I remember Womp There It Is. Well, just out here networking. And, uh, you know, we got a clean 90s nostalgic rap show, right? The fact that I said clean, everybody's interested now. Yeah. If I said we just got a rap show, everybody would be like, uh, they're thinking, oh, man, the insurance and this and this. They're thinking every reason why they shouldn't. And now what I've done effectively is I've reversed the paradigm that the mom and pops were giving me. You're a one hit wonder. You're only this. You're only that. And now I went to the buyers and the buyer said, yep, I could slide you in here. I could slide you in there because I only need 10 minutes from you. I only need 15 minutes from you. You can just do one and I'll give you a bunch of money. So now I'm doing casinos, we're doing state fairs, we're doing uh, charity events. Charity events are easy. That's all they want you to do is one song and they give you a big chunk. Fundraisers, political events. We're doing all these various different types that I forgot I hadn't even known existed. Mm-hmm. We're doing stuff that tribute bands do, right? It's like every performer entertainment is all in this place and they're all the buyers. And now the whole industry knows me because... They love me in an organization because every time they have a little mixer, I'm there and I'm meeting people and I'm just being there. They know whoop, there it is. So I'm, I'm using it to get shows. 
How did you get yeah. Steve to jump on board with all of this stuff? Steve, see, Steve, Steve do the other side. He do the music, right? Mm -hmm. And he knows that he knows that I've always been me and he's always been him. That's why it's tag team. Right. And if we need music stuff, then he's the man. Like right now, he's he's taking a mastering master class that, you know, that's going to be his business. He's going to master mega hit records. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to be, you know, we're not making music no more because it left us. It left us in 2000. Right. But, you know, we we still compliment each other because that's my that's my boy. We brothers. Right. right. So I'm going to do what I do and he's going to do what he do. And we just tag teams, tag team, because it's not really about tag team. It's about everything else. Right. Tag team takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. And me getting all the shit. Now we got shows and then one promoter, he just called me too. We stuck with him because he got us 15 shows on a tour, on a freestyle tour. Then we got on the I Love the 90s tour. Now everything that all these mama pops told me I couldn't be, I am in droves. Now instead of getting five shows a year where we were just doing NBA halftime shows, now I'm getting 30 shows a year, 40 shows a year. And then that right there changed everything now we're doing shows and then i am still doing voiceover i'm working for apple radio it gets better but i still don't have mastery over it. and then after uh we had to go to court it was our day 2017 it's like okay here we go gave it to found a lawyer gave him the stuff lawyer was like whoa they had all the discovery they found six seven ways to skin a cat in those files and we prevailed Right now it was war because we lost a leg, lost an arm, lost an eye. Mm. Don't have to wear an eye patch, <laughs> but we're still alive, and now we can go. And I suffered a depression out of this world. It was August nineteen, August two thousand seventeen. I laid in bed for a month, mm. like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? But because I was prepared and been preparing. I got a call, I said, DC, we got a $10,000 voiceover gig for you. We like your voice, come work for us. This big, you know, tech company. And that just got me out of bed. I said, that's what I'm gonna do, voiceover. And then I got an agent for my voiceover coach. So now voiceover is my main thing because I'm going on auditions all the time. And then I'm having a meeting at the People Store Agency because that's my agency. And the president comes in, she's like, I like your face, put him on camera. Now I'm an actor and now I got to take acting classes and I got to take, you know, still taking voiceover classes, headshots, all that. And it got good to me, man. I've been in class every day, two to three times a day, every, you know, going to LA, coming to New York, uh, anybody come to town, I'm at a workshop and I did that, started booking. I did a lot of regional commercials. I did a lot of, you know, I still wanted that national commercial and I finally got a national commercial in January of 2020. Pizza and what Hut. would that be? Pizza Hut national commercial, hmm. right? But pandemic hit mm -hmm. and they canceled it because it was for March Madness. But I wasn't mad that I lost the money. I was happy that I got booked, right? Mm -hmm. And the pandemic stopped everybody in their tracks, right? And everybody, you had to reevaluate. And for me, it was like, are you hustling or are you working smarter? 
are you driving the car or are you actually revving the engine looking outside and not going anywhere because you're stuck in mud because a lot of people are that right and i said what are you gonna do like i was laying in bed and i was like this i can get up out of bed come over here in my drawers and make money on this in a pandemic because everything was we're all in this together you know what i mean every commercial mm-hmm. was like that oh yeah now i'm like okay so you can do voiceover but you know what you got to reinvent because everybody kind of thinking what you thinking people who think they can do voiceover so i reinvented and everything i've ever done i've recorded so i got all these recordings of way back in 2009 of me on a voiceover class and i've organized them and i went back to the first one and it was heartbreaking because i had to listen to my 10 year 10 year ago self I had to listen to me talk and it was just cringe-worthy. Then I had to listen to the first voiceover I did. It was like, "Oh my god." But then it was inspirational because the instructors that I thought weren't doing me right were end up being the best instructors in the game because now I know the language because I'm an actor and I'm a voice artist and I stuck with it. I was like, "Let me do this first one again. Let me do the first one I ever done over again and see what comes out." And when I did it, it was angelic because I had never had mastery over my voice, and that was the first time I had mastery over my voice. And then I just start booking. And then in April, you know, I did two. I did forty sessions, two-hour sessions during March when everybody thought zombies was gonna start eating them, right? <laughs> and then, uh, um, then I get a call from one of my acting coaches. Hey, we're going to uh, shoot a movie. I'm casting you. I'm like, "Cool, can you get to Nebraska?" So I'm in Nebraska, I'm shoot my first movie. Right? Then 2 months later I shoot my second movie. Then I get a job from Publix as their their voiceover guy for the Publix their grocery store chain. And then I book a um Tyler Perry House of Pain episode. And then here comes Geico. And all of this is important because it goes back to when I lost the money. I thought I lost money because of Barack Obama, right? Mhm. You got to be found. Geico calls the tag team phone. I don't answer. But then they keep they 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 go online and they find my IMDb, then they call my agent. My agent calls me says, "DC, you just booked a Geico commercial." I'm like, "Man, don't play with me. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> it's already bad. No, don't play with me. You know what I mean? I'm doing mm-hmm. good, but don't, you know. And then it's like, "No, you booked a Geico commercial." And I'm like, "I didn't even audition for a Geico commercial." He's like, "Well, they want tag team." And I was like, "Oh. I got about tag team." And went back check my phone and boom. And I let my agent make that deal so I don't have to go get lawyers or anything. It was it actually was perfect. And that is the most lucrative deal that I've ever had in my life. Mhm. Right. And we made money off of Womb there it is, but this right here turned out to be just bananas. And you know everybody's like, "Were well, you happy you got a commercial?" I was like, "Yeah, but now it's time to work." Right? And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do shows. So it was like, oh, cuz Salt and Pepper Star got theirs in 2014 and they toured all the way to the pandemic. and 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 stop that's 4 years that's 5 years 6 years of touring mm-hmm. right and we weren't going to be able to do that so i said but you know what i'm not i'm not going to be happy with a gaco commercial i'm about to take these lemons make me a lemonade corporation 
make then franchise it, then sell it and make me a billion dollars. That's what I'm about. That's my mindset. Mm-hmm. So as an actor, I start preparing for this commercial. And that's where the spin and scoop comes from. That's where the sprinkles come from. That's where all the little nuances in that commercial come from because my acting approach changed back a year ago. That's why I got the guy, I mean, the Pizza Hut commercial because I was frustrated that I wasn't booking. And then I was like, change your tactics, change my tactics, didn't give up. Then I booked. And now I go into a production meeting and I'm talking to the director. I said, I got some ideas. He's like, whatever you want to do, DC. I was like, trying to make a spinning scoop, but couldn't find anybody to fabricate it. So we won't have to do that. But I got some other things like, no, it'll be done tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I told him all my ideas. And that is why that commercial is so special to me. Because everything I wanted to do, we shot it and I prepared for it. My hustle, my ingenuity, my tenacity. I had to make that you know, I had to make that commercial good. And I said, now we shot it, had a ball. I got to get a publicist. Same thing happened with when I said I want to do shows. Well, we're in a pandemic. We usually do a junket in New York and you round robin through all the reporters and we just don't know what to do in a pandemic. And we've never done a commercial. So usually a movie. Pre- I'm like, uh, thank you. And what did I do? Learn how to learn 2.0. Mm-hmm. I went and joined the Public Relations Society of America, PRSA, two days in. I'm on a call, a Zoom call, with a CEO of this big PR firm because they do these little special, you know, things for all the members. Mm-hmm. And I raised my hand. And, you know, I do my due diligence. I make sure I got press releases, the whole nine things that I know what to do. And I, But I knew the press release would work, but I'm like, do press releases still work? Because that's the only question I had. And... They're like, well, what's it for? I was like, well, I'm kind of featured in a national Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. And I'm looking at the chat and it's like, that's not him. It, oh, my God, it is him. <laughs> I love that commercial. My kids love that commercial. And chat just blew. I blew up the whole Zoom call. I'm sure you did. <laughs> and the moderator is like, DC, we like to welcome DC Club. He's new. That's a good question. We're going to talk about that Geico commercial after, but back to this question, are they relevant? And the guest was like, yes, because the whole last year has been doom and gloom. It's all been COVID. Mm-hmm. So you guys come with a good, feel good story, making everybody enjoy talking about sprinkles and ice cream and, you know, fluffy stuff. And I think that's going to work for you. Plus everybody's run out of content, Right. It's been a whole year where everything's been shut down, so movies can't be made. You can only watch so much Netflix, right? right? Everybody's tired. Everybody's worn down. Everybody's fighting with each other. It's just, you guys come with the feel good. And you need to go here for all the podcasts. You need to go here for the journalists. You need to go to this site for all the TV shows. You need to get your pitches like this. You need to do this, 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 and that, and that. She gave me the game. Ten minutes. And I have not looked back. And it has opened my world to opportunities I could have never imagined. And it is the reason you and I are here talking today. It's a beautiful thing. And that is one heck of a story. So I've got a handful of things that I want to ask you just real quickly. Number one, do you walk down the street and everybody does sprinkles to you? Mm -mm. Nobody knows who I am because I don't carry myself like that. That's awesome. (laughs) And it's always been like that. Even back in the Wump days, because mm-hmm. I don't act like a star because I worked in a club where I saw the stars come in and I saw them rise and I saw them fall. Mm-hmm. And I saw them rise and treat people like crap. And then I saw them fall. And those same people reveled in happiness 
at their demise. Yes. And I vowed I'd never be like that. And my father pulled me to the side when womb started. And he's like, like, look, I've been to, you know, I'm going to tell you this, you know, when I was young, I was, you know, envy. I, I, all my friends would be in the streets and they had Cadillacs and, you know, but I had to stay in school. My mom, she would not let me. She's like, boy, I'll kill you if you don't go to school. Right. And mm -hmm. I had to go to school and I stayed in school. And now I've got the Cadillacs and they ain't got nothing. Right. right? And he said, only reason I'm telling you this is because it's going to end. And when it ends, don't chase it. Don't chase what, don't chase that ghost, right? right. And I'm like, man, it ain't going to end. I'm going to make hit record after hit record after hit record. But then when it did happen, like he said, I remembered that. And I never, I was always the same guy. I always treated people with respect. And then I could just fold back into society and not, nothing was, everybody was still cool with me, right? Mm -hmm. And I've always been like that. So with the Geico thing, if it wasn't a pandemic, yeah. But it's a pandemic and we all got masks on. So don't nobody know who I am. That's yeah, it's a good point. And I, I never even thought about <laughs> I that. I get to live my life and I get to enjoy yeah. this. And if I want to be a star, I can, but I do it in my way. I control it. And I've I've been blessed to have for it to be that way because I get to live my life and I love my life because nobody knows who I am. Okay, so the two things I got from this interview, number one was you have basically reinvented yourself time after time after time, which is, I think, one of the most amazing things. And, and that is a tribute to you as a person. The other thing it shows is your authenticity and your integrity. Those are just huge. Mm. Um, so I want to offer this one last idea before we finish up today. And uh, you could take it for what it's worth. You could mm -hmm. laugh at it. You could throw it away. Um, but you know that the average American eats about 23 pounds of ice cream a year, right? <laughs> okay. But there are 215 million households with dogs. You know, the average dog poops about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, you know, pound a day, right? And when I saw the commercial, I was, you know, it was just great. But then I'm out in my backyard when the snow's melting here in Chicago. And, of course, my dog left all these piles. And I'm just walking around the yard going, poop, there it is. Poop, there it is. And I've spoken at Pooper Scooper conventions. Believe it or not, there's an association for mm -hmm. that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think you got a future in the pet industry, too, man. But we, we did the poop with a Huggies commercial. Yeah, I remember the who. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's like every... every rhyme the thing that rhymes with has been kind of done <laughs> i forgot the huggies yeah, commercial. yeah you forgot the huggies commercial but, but see i was thinking that i don't have did. babies man i got a dog i know i know i know i know <laughs> but but like i said this has been is open doors for me that i can't even talk to you about because i'm under five non-disclosure degrees sure right? absolutely you know what I'm saying? it's like there are things that are in the works that it's going to you, you when we talk from a year now you're going to be like oh my god you, you sat here and told me and I, I could never imagine that it would be that. Right. And it is, um, you know, this whole, my whole existence, right? Like, mm -hmm. I look at things differently, right? I don't see my hustle as a quid pro quo. If I do this, I got to have that. Mm -hmm. I just play offense and I just keep shooting. I keep going forward, right? Because you don't plant a seed, then sit down and cross your legs and be like, okay, seed, I need you to grow. <laughs> see grow right now. I want to see, please grow right now. Man, this seed don't even work. I quit. That don't, it don't work like that. But mm -hmm. that's how people act. 
I mean, people you know that just wants the want that instant gratification. Uh, just about everybody. Yeah, and it doesn't work like that, no. right? You have to keep going, and if you if you can get your mind under control like that, all those seeds that I've laid, all the little stories that I've told you, where I strung all my whole the last twenty five years together, seeds were laid. Yeah. And especially recently. And now I'm standing in a forest of opportunity I could have never imagined. Right. And now only thing I have to do is be prepared. And part of preparation is having control of your emotions, not listening. You know, like people, I love to be wrong. Right. Because one, when you admit that you're wrong quickly, it sequesters your ego and your pride. Mm -hmm. It hurts, but it sequesters your ego and your pride. And it's the path to being right always and people argue up and down you i just let them argue i like okay because they're gonna do everything they can to win that argument and they're gonna be stuck where they're at while you admitted you were wrong even if you aren't wrong i'm not gonna sit here and argue with you and you know what you know and then you probably get more ideas of of what to do just from that you're looking at it a different way you're looking at it as okay what can i get from this conversation right mm -hmm. or like Here's another, here's another beautiful byproduct of all of this Geico stuff is that a corporate guy, friend of mine, he's like, I wonder how much they playing that. You know, he's taking in corporate numbers. I wonder what, what the, he's like, you need to get the data. I was like, get the data. He's like, you need to get the data, man. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not about to ask Geico for no data. I'm going to ruin my relationship with them by give me the data. No, 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 no. Now, I might have reacted viscerally, but I was listening. And I said, well, I can't get the data from Geico. Geico got to get the data from somebody. Mm -hmm. And then I start calling Nielsen, iSpot TV, all these companies. And now I'm on Zoom boardrooms with Nielsen and they're telling me everything I need to do. I'm on iSpot TV. They're like, we already got the data for you. And we're not even going to charge you. We want to do an interview with you because we've never heard of artists asking for their value, you know, value proposition. Like, yeah, I want to know my value proposition. So if I go into another meeting with another company and they say, well, you only got this and you got that. Bam. This is what I got. Right. These were the conversions. This is how many times it was played. This was the happy index. This is how many times we were wound on DVR. This is how many times we made this. This is how many times we made that. Give me my money. Mm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That is so outside the box. Well, it That's is. But you have to listen. It's marketing 101, though. I mean, everything is about data, you know, Everything's and that's the data. beauty of it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, like I said, I have acquired the ability to take any negative emotion, fear, anger, happiness, or just negative, you know, envy, mm -hmm. suffering, and put it in my pocket and use it for later. It's that's beautiful. how I get through auditions now, right? I can, you know, if I got something where I have to be angry, well, I don't have to try to be angry. I can go back to what I kept in my pocket that I got two weeks ago. And then now, instead of me trying to be a character or a caricature, the character becomes me and it's authentic. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's where actors become believable or voice artists become believable because you can put yourself back in that place. Right. And, you know, I love all these little tactics because they work. At least they've been working lately. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they, they, they really work and it keeps your mind focused ahead. And all only thing I have control over is what I do. And I choose to be prepared. So 
now I've got tutors for everything. Like, like what I tell you at the beginning, I don't want to leave this earth regretting I didn't do something. So you asked me, am I making music again? Yeah, I got, I use a Studio One DAW. For those who know what a DAW is, that's, the, you know, the, the program, musical program, like Pro Tools that you use to make music. Mm-hmm. I have the engineer who built the program tutoring me every Tuesday, Greg, that's Germany. Awesome. You see what I'm saying? And all yeah. I did was call and ask, can you please help me out and tutor me? I'll pay you. And he's like, yeah, I'll put that to you. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, now I'm to, and then music theory, there's a site called Wizen, W-Y-Z-A-N-T.com. Mm-hmm. After teachers in the pandemic went back to school, half the teachers said, I'm not going back to school with them nasty ass kids. Right. And a lot of them retired. And what this is what they did. They went to all the tutor sites. Mm-hmm. So now in that class where they might be making $60, $70, $80 a day, they're making that an hour all day long teaching the same kids that they would have been teaching there in the comfort of their own home because their parents all know that teacher. Their parents don't know how good that teacher was. And now he's on the site and they can pay the money for their kid to get the, get the uh, education because I was on a zoom call with a career day at a school yesterday. And I can tell you that that is not the way that is not, that is not the way, but it's the only way right now. Right. And, you know, people ask me, they ask me, you know, if you had an advice for people, what do you give them? And I said, man, a high school friend of mine said, what do you, we want to do something for the kids this year in our high school. You know, what would you tell your high school self? And I'd be like, join an organization as quickly as you can. Whatever it is you want to do, join an organization and jump deep in because you can learn, you can get a college education in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then you got to put in the work. But you can know everything about that organization because they're going to tell you. Right. And if they tell you, like I'm telling you in the form of a story where you're riveted and you're taking notes, you're learning. And all you had to do was join the organization. Then, you know, if it's good, it's for you or not. And you don't waste two, three years because some people aren't going to go to college just because they can't. Not because they don't want to. Right. People who go to college, go to college, get your education. But you still can. Well, I kind of want to do real estate. You don't got to major in real estate, but you can go join an organization and learn what to do to get your real estate lot. That's what I wish I would have done. Mm. Right? <laughs> I wish I had joined the real estate back when I was 18. Then I in your spare fired. time, dude. I mean, how much you've done so much in your life and you, you've gotten so much out of this that. This is my spare time though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know and all that is, all that is, is, is up to interpretation. Yeah. It, like we're having a conversation, right? This is just like we was on the phone talking to each other. Mm-hmm. We're having a conversation and yeah. Because you've allowed me to sit here and talk to you and your audience, I've learned so much more. I've figured things out. I've come up with different tactics. Like everybody's sitting around waiting for it to be the way it used to be. And if you're sitting around waiting for it to be the way it used to be, you're going to be sitting around waiting for it to be the way it used to be. When there, I'm standing in front of a frontier of everything new. Everything now is custom. You know, Gregor, I say, I got to work. So he's not trying to teach me the way he wants to teach me. He's teaching me according to what I got to do every day. I got to do voiceover auditions. I got to do acting auditions. Okay, I got to cut this for NASCAR, right? Mm-hmm. I, had to cut that. I get to get the sound right. Okay, cool. We work on that. Now I'm learning more because it's custom for my life. That means it's really getting into me. It's a part of me now as opposed to me having to, okay, so how do I do that? And how do I do this? 
you'll figure that out when you can apply it to what you're working on that you've been working on all your life. Right. So I'm last week I started making beats. He taught me how to work, make, make beats, but I couldn't get back to it because I had real life to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. But now I can make beats again and it's not going to take long for me to make, make songs again. And if I make songs again, I'm an actor. So I'm auditioning now for Christmas movies. If I make five Christmas songs and submit them to every movie I'm auditioning for. Not only am I in the movie, but I got a Christmas song in the movie. If the Christmas song is in the movie that's halfway decent, I got another pension plan. Mm, man. You see what I'm saying? You got it. Because yeah. everybody's like jack of all trades, master none. DC, your tentacles are like this. But over time, you become masterful in some of those things and it becomes one and they all serve each other. It's a toolbox. Yes. Uh, all I could say, oh, man, what? is you are you're like an onion, man. Every time you peel back another piece, it just gets tastier and tastier. And tastier. <laughs> <laughs> so <I> use that. <laughs> but see, I like and see when I use every every thing I, I right today, I've got four more of these. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And because I I I guy who, who's a uh, anchor for NASCAR, because I just said thank you for the comment. Say, hey, man, be on the podcast tonight at 930. I'm going to be tired because I got an audition in between seven and nine, but I'm going to do it. Because who knows where that's going to lead? Who knows where that? I mean, think about we're in a we're in a new frontier. You can build your own custom road. Right. And it's yours. And you can make your dreams come true on that road. You can build another lane and another lane and another lane. Now you got a highway. Right. And it can take you anywhere you want to go because it's you. It's your custom. Everything is different now. Some of the traditional things still apply. But if you're not thinking new, man, come on now. It's there <laughs> for you if you want it. So you can go. You know, my life is littered with missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back. And you can do something about those missed opportunities. Right? Yep. Like I was, I taught Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap. We did a Disney record. Uh, Mickey on rap. And I'm in the bowels of Disney with the voices of Mickey Mouse. That's what started my voiceover career. But I didn't pull the trigger for 15 years. I lost that opportunity back then. Mm-hmm. But now I'm about to get in front of John Favreau and Dave Leone. I just finished my animation denim. I'm trying to be in Star Wars and The Mandalorian live action or animation. See, I, I, I can make up for that opportunity missed. Right. Acting. I sat in the uh, uh, office of New Line Cinema president, president, and he was like, "Yeah, man, you got the perfect look. We might want to cast you for Blade. Right now, it's between LL Cool J and Wesley Snipes, but we'd like to cast you for it." I'm like, "Cool, I'll cast." Didn't know nothing. Didn't even try, and then just never. Nothing ever happened. I missed that opportunity. I was in the president of in the office of the president of New Line Cinema when they were brand new. Right. It's amazing. And now. I just shot two movies during the pandemic and I'm auditioning five, six times a day. Just a matter of time. (laughs) Right. It is. I made that opportunity come back to life. There are no wasted opportunities. If you correct them, you got to correct your mistakes, man. You know, think about it. I could have gave up and been old and bitter after the lawsuit, but I didn't. I kept grinding with wound. There it is. And now it's evergreen. Mm -hmm. And now we got other, it's like it didn't even happen because I got a Geico commercial. I'll be remembered forever for Woomp There It Is and a Geico commercial and anything else I do in the future. Because I didn't give up. I hustled. I played offense. And I kept it moving. 
right? And everybody's looking at me like, just do this. But I, I tell you, it's just me. You know, my parents, I, I owe all my parents because my parents made me work. My mother had me stemming greens and shucking peas when I was five. She had a prep cook at five years old. Father made me shovel snow. Hmm. They, they, they made me do everything, me and my brother. And I'm so grateful for it because I don't fear work. Then they put stipulations with it. We're going to give you $5 a week. Everybody got allowance back then. But then it was like, but there's going to be consequences. And we're going to let you keep your money, but we're going to hurt you in other ways. <laughs> don't do this. You can't go play with your friends. Oh, you want to go to church? You can't go play football. Oh, you don't want to clean your room. Okay, well, you can't watch TV tonight. Now, you think you're a little man and you can withstand some of that, but then it's very painful. And you learn to enjoy work. And then all of a sudden, you had a blizzard. You only, only, only family, you can appreciate this. We had, I'm from Denver, Colorado. We had a big blizzard. We're the only family on the block that has a snowblower. We do ours in about 20 minutes because there's nothing with a snowblower. Then Mr. Grant is next door struggling. Hey, Mr. Grant, we got you. He was like, man, we just need to keep going. Do the whole block. Did the whole block. The next two weeks, hey, boy, come here. I'm coming home from school. Oh, hey, yeah. It's $30, man. I appreciate <laughs> you doing my snow. $30? I'm only getting $5 a week for my parents. That's when the hustler was born. Exactly. Yes. And I had a paper route. Then I worked at Dolly Madison ice cream. Then I worked as an AV assistant. Then I, oh, this is all in my teens. Right. Oh, I, hear I you. don't fear work. If everything <laughs> went that bad and I had to go and get a real job, I'd go get a real job because I don't fear work. And that is me. So, you know, I got to go, man, because I, I know you know, it's a beautiful thing. Buzz. But if people wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do that? What's the best way for them? Because to I, I, I leave good breadcrumbs because I know SEO, because I've set it up that way. Anything you type in about me, DC tag team, boom, there it is. You're going to find me. It's that simple. Man, this has been amazing. <laughs> it's been inspiring. What a great time. I'm so honored to have you on, mm -hmm. man. Thank you so much for your time. God yeah, bless you, dude. And, and, you. and keep rocking it, baby. And thank you for having me, man. This was this was very good for me. I promise you. Thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take care, bud. All right. Bye. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>